Welcome to the True Logic DX, the podcast edition. The place where we talk about trends, news, and insights for individuals and businesses who want to succeed in digital marketing. Join our host, SEO expert and certified mom's boy, Bernard Sunwan, as he gives you the lowdown on digital marketing fundamentals, tips and best practices, and easy conversations with industry experts about the latest trends and happenings in the digital world. Let's get started. Hi, this is Bernard, and welcome to another episode of True Logic DX. Today, let's talk about strategy. A lot of brands either don't have a solid digital roadmap, or some of them take their strategies on the fly, or at best, they have siloed approaches to their marketing and even their digital, right? Even the digital marketing section has silos by virtue of the fact that a separate team will typically do search, a separate team will do media, and a separate team will do social media. So let's get all these ideas married and learn how you can have one seamless marketing experience for your customers across multiple channels. Let's get started. So the first portion of this conversation talks about goals because everything starts from whatever your business goals are, right? You don't know, you know, you can't plan a trip without knowing what destination you're trying to get to. More often than not, we encounter marketing teams that don't set concrete targets. And, you know, that could be for a lot of reasons. It could be for fear of missing the targets, for fear of getting fired for missing the targets. But it's really hard to gauge whether you're winning without a relative point of reference. And the relative point of reference is most usefully the goal that you had set for your marketing. So when we say marketing goals, most of the time for us, we like to think about that in concrete terms. And so when we say concrete terms, we mean it's a number with a deadline, right? So it's a number with a deadline, but it can't just be any number with any deadline. Those numbers and those deadlines have to match the business goals. They have to be aligned with the goals for the brand at large. So samples of some goals that brands could set out for themselves would be to grow a brand audience base by X absolute number by mid-year. So let's say by another 100,000 eyeballs, by another million views, by another million impressions by mid-year. Another example would be to double the lead flow into your website, right? Or to double the number of inquiries that your brand receives. Another one might be increased traffic by 50% by end of year. These are examples of more concrete goals that your marketing team has the opportunity to work on. Now, let's operate under the assumption you guys have discussed the business goals, you guys have agreed on where digital contributes to the overall goal of the business. Let's talk about channels. Channels are not your first conversation. Your goals will always impact your channel selection. I always say your website has to be at the heart of your digital strategy, or as an example, I say your website is the nucleus of your digital marketing strategy. And a lot of people don't realize that when you do digital marketing, it isn't always about your website, it isn't always about your Facebook page, it isn't always about LinkedIn, it isn't always about your YouTube channel. Right? You have multiple channels online. You could have channel partners, you can have a website, you can have a Facebook page, you could have your own e-commerce store, and so on and so forth. You could have an app, right? 
But the best way to figure out what your channels are are by sorting them into three categories, which we like to call your owned assets, your leased assets, and your earned assets. Your owned assets are the ones where you have proprietary control. A great example, again, is your website or your app. These are your owned assets. You paid for them to be built. You pay to maintain them. All of the content that sits on them are yours. All the data that they acquire are yours. And so these are why they are owned assets. Leased assets are when you go into third parties like Facebook, like YouTube, like Instagram, like Google My Business, and you put up a property for yourself. So you setting up a YouTube channel, a Facebook page, an Instagram page, your Google My Business listing. And it's about optimizing your presence in those channels. So they're called leased because, yes, the content somewhat belongs to you, but the data does not fully belong to you. And so these are why they are leased assets. The last ones are earned assets like PR pieces, content marketing pieces, articles, or content that you contribute to in other publications. You don't really get to measure the success or failure of those because they sit in third-party assets. They don't belong to you. And neither does the data then, right? And so these three channels can be used to maximum effect if you have a cohesive strategy that thinks about how do I utilize all of this to the maximum benefit of my brand. So how do your goals impact your channel selection? So let's use this as an example. Let's pretend we'd set top funnel goals for your brand or your company. And some samples of top funnel goals would be impressions, reach, traffic, to a degree engagement, but not so much engagement. But an example would be you would utilize SEO as a strategy, content marketing in SEO specifically as a strategy because that's where it's an effective top funnel channel, right? Another example of a marketing channel that you could use is AdWords, specifically the display network in AdWords. I wouldn't recommend utilizing the search network for your top funnel, for your awareness, for your information. It simply is just an expensive channel if your goals were top funnel and not when you can get traffic, visitors, brand visibility, impressions at a fraction of the cost using the display network. Facebook and Instagram also can be used for top funnel. In fact, they are excellent in my opinion for top funnel. Reach and engagement campaigns are at best mid funnel, but most of the time they're very top funnel. And what really defines what they are is the kind of content that you push, right? If you're pushing brand awareness content, then clearly the campaign you're running is very top funnel. YouTube also falls in your top funnel options because views and referral traffic to your website is what YouTube can deliver. Now let's talk about what if the goals were bottom funnel? What if the goals are conversion? What if the goals are sales? What if the goals are lead acquisition, subscribers, and so on and so forth? So SEO as a strategy can be utilized to target your commercial or your product pages. And these are examples of bottom funnel strategies. Another one is utilizing AdWords search network. Remarketing is also a great channel, by the way. It falls under the display network, but remarketing is going to hit people that have already begun experiences with your brand. And so it's not necessarily 
super top funnel because these are not people that have never heard about you or have never interacted with you. These are people that to a degree have already interacted with you. Facebook conversion campaigns are also a great bottom funnel strategy. It's where you tell a quick story where you either try to convert the person straight from Facebook and get them to fill out a form that you then interact with or that begins an interaction with you. Or you can refer the traffic from Facebook to a landing page on your website and that's where you get to capture the audience. Now, how successful you are at funneling users to your top funnel or your bottom funnel all depend on the content that you create. And so in this section, let's talk about content. Easily one of the biggest mistakes that I see in marketing is brand-centric messaging all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Uh, There's nothing wrong with creating brand-centric messaging, but 100% of your messaging cannot be brand-centric. A certain degree and a certain amount of it does have to be customer-centric messaging. What is content? Like when we talk about marketing, and I guess in the same way as with SEO, where we say content is the largest ranking factor, content is your most potent weapon. It's your most potent tool when it comes to marketing. And content is, in a nutshell, any collateral you create that your customers experience or interact with. Anything that brings your brand closer to your customer is content. And so... That could be an out-of-home banner. That could be a billboard on EDSA. But digitally, it is your website content. Digitally, that's your digital PR. Digitally, it's your YouTube videos. It's your Facebook posts. It's your ad banners. It's your images on Instagram. It's the email messages. It's your SMS. All of those comprise content. Now, When people create content, and I've audited a lot of digital content over the years, what I tend to notice commonly is that when brands create content, they're always creating content about themselves. And there seems to be a failure to realize that brand-centric content is just awareness content. If I'm a real estate company X, and I just talk about why I'm, let's say, why I'm a green developer, or why my costs are the lowest, or why I have the friendliest environment, or that I'm three minutes from a hospital. A lot of that is just awareness content. I'm just talking about the brand. I'm not really talking about what's in it for the person that I'm talking to. I'm not even very specific about who I'm talking to. Take for example, what if the person you're talking to is an OFW? And no, they're not looking for an investment, right? They're looking for a habitat. These people are looking for a home. What kind of content do you produce for them? And and let's say you're talking to a more affluent market, somebody that's got three properties, then they may be looking at real estate as an investment, a place they can lease out, a place they can rent out, and so on and so forth. So you don't always produce brand-centric content because brand-centric content tends to be very emotionally flat. If you want to move someone to action, you want to create content that's emotional. And so we call those consideration content or preferential content. And those pieces of content have a few key characteristics. Like take, for example, why show how a development will look like when you could show a family moving into their first home, right? And so that's called humanizing the content where the star of the content, the star of the image is either the experience of a user, the experience of a typical customer, and not the feature of the property itself. So 
one characteristic of emotional content is it's very humanized. The hero shot is a person that the audience can relate to. The next hallmark is consideration content or emotional content appeals to a person. So, and when I say personal need, let's talk about the iPhone, right? Like to explain what a personal need is. I need a smartphone to stay connected, to be productive, to be connected on the internet for my own entertainment, sure. But why do I need it to be an Apple device, right? And my personal needs could be different. Like take, for example, I've been using an iPhone since 2008. And so my personal need might be convenience, right? Where I can transfer the identity of my old iPhone to my current iPhone without a lot of mental and technical gymnastics. And so that's an example of a personal need. How does your brand appeal to a personal need? If you're appealing to a family with young kids, then what is their accessibility to recreational areas? What is their accessibility to schools? What is your accessibility to your healthcare facility, to your physician? Right, All of those are personal needs. Those are not practical needs. When you buy a house, you're buying a roof over your head. That's really what you're doing. And when you're buying a house, you're buying security. So those are the practical needs. But the personal needs, the stuff of convenience, and even the social statement that that purchase makes is a personal need, and that's emotional. Another example of emotional content is it makes a statement, right? Like nobody wants to admit it. But we all think about, ooh, what will people think of me when I flash my iPhone? What will people think of me if I get off that car or if I own that car? But anything that makes a statement about who you are, most purchases are personal statements. They are statements of individuality, is emotional content. You can't create consideration or preferential content without branding, though. Like one of the things that I I will want to mention Because I think in a lot of cases, marketers are great at branding and technical marketers are not. Technical marketers are great at execution, but sometimes the execution falls flat because they don't understand the concept of brand. Technical marketers don't understand the concept of brand. And the concept of brand is about understanding who is this message for? What are those person's goals? What frustrates those per- what frustrates that specific person? And what motivates them? Right? Like what motivates them to action? If you don't pay attention to branding, to the messaging, to what archetype your brand is, to what kind of emotional appeal you're making, then you're always playing a numbers game. Your digital marketing strategy will always be I want more leads, therefore I need more traffic, therefore I need to rank more keywords, therefore I need a larger service. Like, it will always be a game of more is more and not a game of, you know, less is more. So, don't play your digital marketing game like a numbers game. To a degree, it will always be a numbers game, but you're not always playing a numbers game. Sometimes crafting your content, sometimes designing your page so that it solves the problem that that person was motivated to search for is what will get you the inquiry, what will get you the lead, what will get you the customer, what will get you the action. Other than that, you're also stuck sometimes with, you know, all the content you're creating being promo this, promo that, like promo, promo, promo. That to me, that's like a big eh. Like if you're just publishing promo A, promo B, promo C, promo D, then, you know, it's sort of like it's a red ocean strategy, right? That there's blood in the water and the person that offers the lowest price point for the value of their commodity is the one that wins. And you don't want to play that game. There's no marketing in that. That's just merchandising and pricing. 
Okay, so if you're crafting your content based off of the people you're talking to in the channels they're at, guided by the strategy you created, which align with the business goals, then now you need to figure out are you headed in the right direction or not, right? And this is where measurement comes in. So let's talk about metrics. You can improve on what you don't measure. Super simple, right? You can improve on what you don't measure. It doesn't matter whether it's your health, your body mass index, your marketing. You cannot manage what you don't measure. And measurement sort of tells you, are you on track? Are you off track? Are you ahead? Are you behind? And when it comes to digital, some samples of the metrics that you would look at would be A, impressions. And impressions are simply a metric of visibility, right? Whether this is product visibility or brand visibility, impressions are the metric of visibility. But also take note, impressions make you super distant from conversion. Like you are so far away from conversion. Another metric to look at would be clicks. And clicks are essentially, you know, your potential engagements. The people that saw your ad, clicked it, looked at your content. The people that saw your ad, clicked it, went on a landing page on Facebook. And these are not customers yet. These are still all potential customers. So impressions are only visibility. Clicks are only potential engagements. They're not even potential relationships yet. They're just potential engagements. There are people that are evaluating whether your content was worth it or was it a waste of time. After they click, if the click is valid, if the visit is valid, then they are officially traffic, right? And traffic is initial engagement because they have direct contact with your content. They have direct contact with your captive content, whether that's your organic page, whether that's your landing page, doesn't matter. But traffic is your initial engagement with your user. Now the question is, what do they do when they're there? Right? Are they finding your content useful? And I think this is one of the reasons why Google had advanced to GA4 because it does a terrific job at measuring engagement metrics. So engagement is a measurement of your audience's reaction or the impact of your content on your audience. So traffic is an initial engagement. Engagement is the impact that that engagement made, right? Like was the traffic impactful? Does it make a difference? Does it satisfy a search motivation? Does it satisfy a banner click behavior? If you've successfully engaged your audience, you now have the opportunity to make an acquisition. And an acquisition is permission to sell or to market to them. So you have the ability to make an acquisition. An acquisition is a potential relationship. This is you asking for permission to sell or permission to market to your audience. If you successfully make an acquisition, they fall in your bucket where you can make a conversion. And only when you make a conversion do you have a customer. Only when you make a conversion do you have a relationship. Now, do you want to know whether that relationship is smooth, rocky, or whatnot? Then take a look at your up and your cross-sells, right? Are you successfully upselling and cross-selling these people? Because additional purchases of your products, your services, or your commodities are statements of their faithfulness, right? They're statements of brand loyalty. And that means that your relationship with that user is improving. Whether that user chooses to remain loyal to the same product, like take for example how I've been loyal to an iPhone since 08, or it could be like how I'm partial to Dell devices for all office equipment, 
right? So as an example, those are loyalty behaviors and they are signs of a lasting relationship between you and your customers. And, you know, that's hard to pay for. The other one is, will your customers advocate for you? The last metric you ought to look at is your referral metric. These are indicators of exponentially more productive relationships. When your customers become your walking, talking billboards, when they become your living testimonials, then your brand is creating a larger impact than what your marketing would have otherwise forecast or projected, right? So you measure all of these to find out, am I doing better than I did last year? Am I doing better than I did last month? And if you are, or let's say whether you are or not, your metrics sort of put you in a position where you can take a look at what else is there to improve, right? And you measure your performance because first is you need to know where you stand, right? Like, are you in a good position? Are you not in a good position? Do you need to improve on anything? Are you ahead of the curve, right? The second reason you make measurements is because you need to forecast for the future. You need to find out, are you going to successfully contribute to the business metrics? Are you successfully going to contribute to the business goals or are you not? And the third one is to improve on the current state of business, right? Like, how do I do this better? How do I get more traffic, more rankings, more leads, more inquiries? And that's why you do improvements. And yeah, that sort of wraps up this portion of the conversation for this quick episode of True Logic DX. Join me on the next episode. I'll see you there. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the True Logic DX podcast, an audio production show for people who want to take their digital marketing game to the next level. If you enjoyed today's episode, follow True Logic on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Check out our website at truelogic.com.ph for more information on digital marketing. And make sure to catch our upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast network. Until next time.